Back in March, we announced that, that we would be looking for additional men to serve as shepherds, and, and we as a congregation have spent uh, a lot of time in prayer, and uh, we have had uh, three men that their names rose to the top, and uh, today is the day that we are going to be uh, ordaining them, so we're going to spend some time celebrating that. Also, we have three that uh, are resigning uh, as elders uh, and we're going to uh, spend some time acknowledging them this, this morning as well. Throughout the month of May, the, uh, the elders and uh, some, of the, uh, some of the staff at, at, at different times have uh, been involved in some training uh, as we equip the leaders of this congregation. And the last training is actually today after lunch. Uh, Don Hebbard, Dr. Don Hebbard is, is here. Uh, he's a, a currently a professor at uh, Aberdeen. Did I say that right? Aberdeen uh, College in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, whenever, uh, about 16 years ago, whenever I got married, uh, he was a professor at, at Oklahoma Christian. And uh, my wife and I did premarital counseling with him. So for the last 16 years... Uh, his name has either been a trump card or a curse word, depending on which side of the argument that you're on. And so I thought uh, I needed to share both the, the joy and the curse of, of Don Hebbard uh, with, with uh, the leadership. And also, he's going to be presenting uh, the message this morning. So it's going to be a, a great time to, uh, to hear from, from Don as well. I want to invite you at this time to, to stand with me, and we'll, we'll read allowed our communal reading for uh, this year from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to ask uh, Eddie, uh, Steve, and Roy and their, their spouses, if they are here, to, uh, to go ahead and make your way up here uh, in front of the, the stage here. Uh, these three men are uh, resigning as elders after uh, several years of service. And as they're walking up here, I want to read just a few verses from Romans chapter 16. Uh, Paul begins that chapter by saying, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a, a deacon or a servant of the, the church in Sincrea. Verse 6, greet Mary who worked very hard for you. Uh, verse 9, greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ and my dear friend uh, Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test of time. And I'm not going to take the time to continue the, the chapter, but uh, in this chapter, Paul brings out, he, he names specifically, uh, no less than 26 men and women who have served, who have worked for the gospel in the, the kingdom of God. And this morning, we want to spend a few moments recognizing uh, Steve, Eddie, and Roy and their, their spouses because they have, 
to use the words of Paul, have, have worked very hard for this church. They've been outstanding among the shepherds. They are approved in Christ. And this morning we want to offer to you these, these gifts uh, as a, a small token of thanks for the sacrifices that you have made in serving the Lord here at the colonies. And then after, uh, after those gifts are distributed, uh, Randy is going to offer a prayer uh, of thanksgiving for uh, these, these couples and their service here. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for all that you do for us on a day-to-day basis. Father, we are so thankful for these three men that have uh, served you and have served this congregation. We thank you for their hard work, for their dedication. We thank you for the sacrifices that they have made. And more importantly, Father, we thank you for their wives, for I know that they've made sacrifices uh, as they've had to give up times together. Father, we just pray that you bless them and that you be with them daily. And Father, we just thank you once again for all that you do for us in Christ's name. Now, if uh, the, the current serving and continuing elders and then uh, those that were just mentioned and their spouses would, would come up as well and stand in front of the stage. PJ, Mike, and Mike, God has spoken graciously through his church and called you to tend his sheep. You are being asked to assume the responsibilities of shepherd, of overseer, and elder alongside Russell, Buddy, and Ken. Serving as shepherd is a great commitment that you are making this morning as a family before God to this congregation. For the the Greens, the Fishers, and the Sneeds, this is the first time that you're making uh, this commitment to this particular congregation. The Baileys, DeFords, and McLaughlins will be continuing their commitment to this church. And we ask you to, to pledge your allegiance above all else to Jesus Christ, committing to these things, committing to teach and model the gospel of, of Christ in the way that you love each other, the way that you love us as fellow believers and the world at large, to ensure that healthy teaching exists here in this church that strengthens this body, to guide us patiently and prayerfully, resolving to keep us focused on God's purposes, to mentor and shepherd the other leaders God gives this church. We ask you to pray for us whenever we are sick, to minister to us when we are hurting, and rejoice with us when we are blessed. If I were to summarize the commitment and the pledge that that you are making, it would be this question. Will you be great among us by serving as Christ himself did? In John chapter 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and after putting on his robe again he says now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. To you, shepherds, we also um, ask that you follow this example. And as a reminder of the Lord's example of servant leadership, we also offer a small symbolic token of a servant's towel for your encouragement. We hope it serves as a reminder of Christ's grace to you, of your commitment before God, and our support of your oversight. If you would, um, let, let's show our approval of these uh, shepherds with a round of applause, please. Good morning, and thank you for the invitation to be here at your congregation on this very historic and important day in your history. Uh, I enjoy coming to Amarillo. I've been here quite a bit doing some speaking and glad to be back with Jeff and also to be informed that I've been a part of his marital arguments for lo these many years. Uh, I suspect with four little girls at home and a wife, you're going to be told by a lot of people uh, what you need to be doing over the coming years, is my guess. Uh, this morning we're talking about leadership, and I was thinking about the Old Testament, one of the most famous incidents in um, leadership where it goes wrong. Uh, Moses is coming down from the mount. He's got the commandments. The mountain has been burning for all those days. It is one of the most remarkable moments in all of human history. And he comes down the mountain, and you remember the story. As he gets down, what does he encounter there at the base of, uh, base of the mountain? Yeah, the golden calf. It's, it's, uh, the Israelites have grown impatient and uh, insecure in his absence, and so they get Aaron and they, they build that calf. It's interesting about that particular instance. That has nothing to do with leadership from the leader side of the board. Uh, God is faithful. Uh, they've been through uh, the Red Sea. They've been encamped at the mountain. They've, they've seen his presence. Moses, arguably one of the greatest leaders in all of human history. Uh, the problem there in, in that particular moment is not a problem of leadership. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is a problem of followership. Uh, university where I teach, uh, I teach a capstone course in our master's programs in leadership. And about, oh, five or six years ago, there was a new chapter added to the textbook. And that chapter is not on leadership. That chapter is on followership. And so I spend a good bit of my time uh, talking with our students, not about the characteristics of the leaders, the guys that are lined up here that received those beautiful um, plaques from you all a moment ago. But a part of the chemistry of what makes leadership works is what we do as followers as a part of that. It is what we would term a reciprocal relationship. In other words, Leadership is it's a dynamics between two people, or it's between a group and another group. It's like in a marriage. If, if a couple comes in, I'm a marriage shrink by profession. That's, that's what I teach and that's what I do. And if a couple comes in and they sit down with me and they say, we're having difficulties and it's all her fault. <laughs> well, what am I going to say? 
well, I'm going to say, what are you contributing to this? What's going on on your side? So I would, I would suggest to you this morning that the comments I'm going to make this morning are about the dynamic of followership. That yes, it will be about what they do, but it will also be about what we do as we participate in that dynamic of following with them. May, may, may I make a couple of observations about that? Observation number one, great followership watches what we bring to our leaders. By definition, a church leader is going to hear more negative than they're going to hear positive. That's just a part of the way it goes. My dad was an elder for 25 years, and the phone by the kitchen rang off the hooks morning, noon, and night. And nine times out of ten, that phone call was bad news or th problems that needed to be solved. We as a church can think about, though, the complaints we bring to our leaders. Can I say a word or two about that? In a congregation of, say, 300 people, if everyone has one complaint each year, that means the eldership gets two new complaints every what? Every week. You've just about booked them up on their agenda. So what that means is I need to be real careful about the complaints that I make. And I need to think about what I'm complaining about when I have a complaint. Observation. I study human personality. That's part of the work that I do. And we've discovered that human personality is a bipolar, uh, uh, bipolar thing. I don't mean that people are bipolar. I mean there's two extremes. That did sound funny, didn't it? I'm sorry. There are people that walk into a room and spontaneously appreciate. They walk in this morning, they looked around, they went, oh, things are organized and there's nice, there's nice pictures on the wall and everything's uh, neat and clean and the temperature's good and people in one personality walk in and they, they primarily appreciate. At the other bipolar end of that are people who walk into a situation and they spontaneously do what? Complain. Yep, they sure do. It's kind of cold in here, isn't it? He was a little off on that last song, wasn't he? How long is this guy going to go? Because we've already been here 45 minutes. Are we going to have a full sermon? Or is he going to get this thing over with quick? <laughs> My point there being, there are people that spontaneously appreciate and people that spontaneously complain. And if I'm down here in that complaining thing, I need to be a little bit careful about that. How do you complain well in church? Here's some, here's some tips. Number one, you pause before you complain. Sometimes when I'm a little chapped about something, I just need to not light the fire in my soul, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I need to step back from that a little bit, give it a little bit of time. Number two, I might need to talk to somebody else about it and see what they think to give me a different perspective. Number three, I need to jot that thing, write it down, and not just walk off and dump on somebody. And number four, I need to ask for a meeting outside of the church hallway and not on Sunday. You say, you got real strong opinions about that. Yes, I do. Because I go around cleaning up those messes. That's kind of what I do for a living. And if you complain well, you get a better response. So, what do I bring to an eldership? That's really, really important. Point number two in understanding the dynamic between leadership and followership is by understanding that the church as a body is capable of being healthy and policing itself. I've got two kids. Uh, my son's 33 and my daughter's 30. And they're both police officers. 
And so we do a lot of police talk in my family. It's a real interesting life. One of the things that they will say is, they will say that a lot of what they do is simply by being a good presence in the community. How does the body police itself? There was a great story about how they got rid of train robbers in the Wild West. You know how they did that? As the story goes, folks that were riding on those passenger trains armed themselves. And as a robber would stop the stage, get on board one of those train cars, he'd walk on the back and he'd be facing, oh, about uh, 30 Derringers and Colt uh, 45s and Winchesters all pointed at him. Some little old lady's got a little Derringer. I'm going to kill you. The body policed itself and got rid of the problem. What I'm suggesting is good followership as a church body, we police ourselves. In other words, the folks riding that train said, we ain't going to act that way around here. There's appropriate behavior and there is what? And there's inappropriate behavior. Can I suggest a couple of those? Inappropriate behavior, number one, that does not work in followership is unfiltered communication. I tell my clients, just because something goes through your mind doesn't mean it needs to come out of your what? Yep, yep. So we recommend, number one, filtered communication. Sometimes there are things that would be better left unsaid. Number two, rampant judgmentalism. Rampant judgmentalism is just poison to any relationship. Just going around putting everybody down. It's not good for the body. Number three is meanness. You say, really? Yeah. Did you know that some people use religion as an excuse to be ugly to people, to be mean? We would recommend that good followership as a body, and I'm sure you folks don't have anybody that acts that way around here. Nobody in Amarillo is like that. But down in Dallas, we got people who are judgmental, critical, and mean-spirited sometimes. And you can say, we're going to leave that all for these guys that are lined up right here, and you will flat wear them out. They will become discouraged, and it will be a tough road. Or we can say, like the folks said on that train, we don't act that way around here. Knock it off. You say, is that appropriate to do as a church body? Not, as it, not only is it appropriate, it is expected. Police yourself. Number three, and I'm through. Number three is trust. Trust. Good followership trusts the leadership to handle difficult situations. working with the church right now, and they've got a situation where, well, let me say this first. There are situations that they will handle that will be very, very personal. There'll be situations that will, they'll handle that will be family difficulties. There'll be situations they will handle that are personnel situations with ministers and people that work here at the church. They will handle very, very delicate and difficult situations. Working with a congregation right now, that they're dealing with a situation where an individual's been stealing from that church. And it's horrible, and it's difficult, and it's, it's a mess. 
working with another church, and the situation working with theirs with a staff individual that just won't show up for work. Won't come in and work. I wish I could get a gig like that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> What'd you like best about the sermon? Him talking about how I don't have to show up for work now, right? <laughs> the difference in those two situations is one leadership is engaged and dealing with that situation, and the other leadership is leaving the thing alone and not engaged. And the reason this one is not engaged is because they're afraid of their congregation. They're afraid that if they act, those people will come after them and not understand that they are doing the things they need to do to solve that situation. Does that make sense? If we're going to give somebody the mantle of leadership, that means that we give them our trust, and I understand they're going to have to handle some difficult situations that old Don's not going to have all the information on. I'm not going to know everything that's going on. They're not going to be able to tell me, but I need to be able to have my confidence that they are acting with a good spirit, with good intent, with wisdom, and with a prayer-filled sense of problem-solving. Does that make sense? Is that fair? We as followers owe them that. You say, you kind of don't mince words, do you? No, I don't. Because this is tough stuff. Being an elder is good stuff. You'll be involved intimately in people's lives. You'll help them. You'll get to see a lot of good. But if we're going to help them, we as a church, we're, uh, Jeff's going to come up and we're, we're going to do a pledge to them. First uh, Timothy says we owe them double honor. There's some things we can do as followers that will help them and will make this dynamic successful. And I pray that you'll think about that and you'll be a part of that and you'll do that. I want to read uh, Hebrews 13, verse 7, which says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There is a, a dynamic to the relationship. And uh, we want to acknowledge that at the outset of, of the, the addition of new shepherds. And I'm suggesting that there are uh, a couple of questions that we should be able to answer in the affirmative. And I'm going to read these questions and I'm going to ask at the end that if you agree that uh, you make the same affirmation that the shepherds made to you, that with God's help, you will do these things. And so if you would, uh, please stand and... Brothers and sisters, will you follow these men in service for the sake of Christ? Will you be respectful of their leadership and imitate their faith? Will you support them in prayer and serve them in peace? Will you lift up their arms even as they care for our souls? Will you do all this knowing that it pleases the Lord and shows the Lord perfection, uh, uh, shows the world the perfection of his ways. If you so agree and pledge, then I ask you to affirm by saying with me, with God's help, we will. Now, as we 
conclude this morning, we're not going to have a, a traditional uh, invitation. And so if you need uh, prayers or if you, you want to talk about baptism, I, I'd love to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be standing up here at front after we conclude and you can come uh, to me and some of our shepherds that, that don't have class responsibilities, they'll also be available.